Welcome back to Prognosis Ohio. I'm your host, Dan Skinner. A few episodes ago, we talked with the good people at the Children's Defense Fund of Ohio. On today's episode, we build on that conversation and dive a bit deeper into a budgetary amendment being championed by Ohio reps Erica Crawley and Gail Manning. We're talking about extending Medicaid coverage for new parents beyond the 60-day minimum. In this episode, I talk with Reps Crawley and Manning about their efforts to extend postpartum coverage beyond the current level, but we also talk about maternal and child health outcomes in Ohio generally. In the second part of today's episode, I talk again with Kelly Visrall of the Children's Defense Fund, and we reflect on the conversation I had with Reps Manning and Crawley. Okay, now for my conversation with Ohio Representative Gail Manning of District 55 and Representative Erica Crawley of District 26. Representative Gail Manning and Representative Erica Crawley, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's a it's a great honor to have you both here. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Today we're talking about uh, continuous coverage for postpartum care, and um, it's an important issue we've talked about on the show a little bit with the the folks from the Children's Defense Fund. And we're picking up the pieces today because obviously we are in budget season here in Ohio. So, uh, you know, it's going to come a time to nail this down pretty soon. And um, this is an important part of that conversation. Uh, the proposed amendment, as I understand it, so requires Medicaid coverage for pregnant women for the maximum postpartum period permitted under federal law. So that could change at different times is my understanding. And I'm saying this so you can all correct me if I get any of it wrong, instead of just 60 days after giving birth. But but I'd like to start by asking you, so, you know, what's... What's the amendment about and, and how do you frame it? Maybe we could start with Representative Crawley. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and again, thank you for having us here today. So what the uh, amendment will do is uh, make sure that if the federal government you know, changes its mind around 12 months uh, postpartum, that at least here in the state of Ohio, we would be able to continue to uh, have coverage postpartum all the way up to 12 months. And we see that there is an extended postpartum care here in the state for birthing people who have a substance use disorder. Um, and, and so we would like to see this extended uh, across all spectrums, not just for substance use disorder or for behavioral health challenges. Um, we know that uh, there are women ex- experience complications well after 60 days. Um, and so we want to make sure that, you know, they have access to care. Representative Manning, so what what brings you to this conversation? What just the big picture or are there uh, specific issues that you are staked in 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 um, supporting this bill? Well, as uh, Representative Crawley said, thank you very much for having us. This is such an important issue. And uh, I was a teacher for thirty seven years of young kids, mm-hmm. and both Erica and I are both moms. And so we know how, you know, there's a reason why we're here. Um, and, uh, you know, this is very important that um, pregnant people have coverage, you know, for the entire time after a good year after, because, you know, our infant mortality rates are uh, very low in the state of Ohio. When you see we have such outstanding hospitals, I mean, and that's a concern. And, um, you know, Rep. Crawley, uh mentioned several things, but one of the other things, it is very difficult to have a child. And especially if you don't have the support of family around you, or maybe you don't have, you know, a a partner and um, you're, you're alone. It's, it's, it's tough when you, you have a normal life and you've got mom or can come over or mother-in-law or somebody can come over and help you out. But um, 
postpartum depression is a real thing. And I think people have to be aware of that. And having that coverage for the full year is really important. So let's get to some specifics just to make sure that, you know, so you can educate me, but also so that we make sure that listeners understand exactly what's happening here. Um, what, what kind of services and supports are we actually talking about? Aside from, you know, paying for a generalized kind of services and, and, and care, um, are there things that we can point to to visualize kind of what this would mean to new moms and to um, to kids? Well, I, I can start. So we can point to the fact that after 60 days, um, there are individuals who are on the low income bracket here in, in the state, whether it's in urban communities or rural communities. And so people tend to forego getting treatment um, due to cost. We know that here in the state of Ohio, we spend a lot on health care costs um, and health care costs continue to rise. And so we do not want women um, or who are in uh, postpartum care not have access to health care because of costs. Um, and, and so even to what Representative uh, Manning was saying, when it comes to behavioral health, I suffered from postpartum depression. I had twin girls. Early had a traumatic pregnancy, ended up going into uh, an emergency C-section, and it was a traumatic experience. And as Rep Manning said, I didn't have family around, um, and, and and so I needed that time after to seek help and seek assistance. I went from no kids to to two kids all at once at a, at a young age. So it you know it helps with behavioral health costs that I didn't have to forego and, and didn't have to make choices between eating or health care. Um, so that's how it makes a difference. I was looking this morning, as I often do, at the Health Policy Institute of Ohio's value dashboard. I mean, they do great work and we talk about them a lot on this show. And, you know, clearly, while there is some improvement in, in a few areas, on the whole, as Representative Manning just mentioned, I mean, we're still struggling in, in some key areas. And in our, our, our high infant mortality rate is, is something that gets mentioned a lot. And within the high infant mortality rate, we have massive racial disparity as well. So the, the, the rate itself doesn't tell the full story until you get into the data a little bit. What kind of outcomes could we hope for, expect from this expanded coverage? So aside from the services, people are going to want to know, well, uh, what, what are we actually trying to achieve in terms of how women, how new mothers, and how kids will actually be you know, benefit from this? Do we, do we have a sense of what, what some of the metrics, uh, you know, that we should be looking for would be? So I, I think um, one of the things as Rep Crawley had talked about is, is the coverage that they get. You don't have a mom six, 60 days after having a baby, having to look for new, new healthcare coverage if she's available to get it. But one of the things that we're finding out, and I, uh, I uh, sponsored along with Rep House, House Bill 11. And House Bill 11, um, which I think is a, a, a great program, um, offers um, group where um, new moms can get together and talk about their issues, along with, you know, a nurse or, or, you know, somebody there that can guide them. But then they become friends, and then they can, you know, give that strength that you need while you're going through, you know, a very traumatic time in your life. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's quite the change when you have a, a brand new baby, especially the first one. And, and so you would, you know, this program would also allow for that, where you can continue with um, 
um, somebody helping you along, either in a group setting or a single setting. And I know uh, Rep. Crawley has a great bill out there that deals with doula that she may want to talk about. Uh, yeah. That And it's a bipartisan bill, so I, I'm very supportive of that. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I would just add, um, right, I, I do have Medicaid reimbursement for doulas. Medicaid pays more than 51% of our births here in the state. And we know that when uh, women have access to doulas, that the maternal mortality rate drops, the infant mortality rate drops, um, because they provide this social emotional uh, support. They also are advocates for families as they go into the healthcare setting, because we do know that we have a healthcare setting that doesn't treat everyone fairly and equitably. And, and so as Rep Manning said, you might not have a spouse or family around, but you have a doula who can be with you and by your side to go into the healthcare setting and be your advocate. They also help with um, identifying complications early. As I said, when uh, uh, birthing people experience complications, it's usually after 60 days. And that's why it's so important to extend postpartum coverage. But when they have access to doulas, even in the postpartum stage, and it's covered by Medicaid, we know that uh, addressing the complications early um, is likely less time spent in the hospital. So that drives down healthcare costs, uh, less uh, likely to have pain medication, which drives down healthcare costs. Right. And it's also a benefit and a value add to the cost savings for the state and in our budget. So when people have access to care over time, um, as well as access to doulas, um, it really saves the state. One of the things we've also found out is when somebody is in your home like that, they can look around and see, you know, is there a good place for the baby to be sleeping? And, and, you know, times have changed over the years. And, you know, so many times we used to put babies down on their tummy and now you put them down, you know, differently. And, you know, right. you know, Older people aren't aware of that. And so, um, you know, they can look around and see, is, 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 it a, is it a safe environment for the family and especially for the baby? So having somebody in the home is really important. They're not only helping the mom and the baby, but they're also looking around for those safety issues. And, and this really aligns with national trends. I mean, uh, President Biden has made home health care a, a big focus of some of the conversations he's having at the federal level. So, you know, and, and this goes back to even Governor Kasich was talking about that a lot. Governor DeWine has, has, has continued that conversation. It's a little counterintuitive, right? We used to think that home-based health care was this super expensive boutique kind of idea, but we realized it actually could save a lot of money and help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So if we were to sort of help listeners understand who will be benefiting from this? Obviously, this is we're talking primarily around Medicaid, so we're talking about low-income folks. But are there specific demographics that could really benefit from this? Is this part of the racial disparities conversation and other kinds of disparities conversations? Absolutely. Um, so we know that this will definitely help Black and Brown communities, um, and then poor rural communities, um, and and so or poor whites in those areas that are underserved. Um, We know that when it comes to the infant mortality rate in this state, um, it 
disproportionately impacts Black babies. Our infant mortality rate for Black babies is 2.8 times that of white babies. And we also um, hit our Healthy 2020 goals for a white infant mortality. And, and that is wonderful. Uh, but we know that access to care, which is one of those social determinants of health, really stands in the way of addressing maternal mortality and morbidity as well as infant mortality. And so for, for my district, that's 57% people of color. Uh, where the head of household tends to be women, the income, median income is around 38, 39,000 and more than 50% of, of my district uh, is eligible for Medicaid and other, other benefits. So it, it would impact my district significantly and give more people access to care. So that's the 26th. I'm wondering about the 55th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 57% of these deaths can be prevented. And um, one of the things that when House Bill 11, when uh, Representative House and I worked on that, we made sure that the that um, the programs went to the rural areas because we're finding Appalachia is a problem. And then there were, I believe, four four counties where we noticed that the infant mortality rate was much higher than other areas. Now, my area, you know, we have a large population in Lorain County of uh, Hispanics. And uh, I must say, you know, we've done a fairly good job under uh, our health commissioner of bringing some of that down. He's managed to cut in half the number of uh, pregnant women that are smoking. And, you know, that makes a huge difference. And a lot of it is just by educating people and getting the word out. And he said a lot of it was using just social media and and not working in silos, working in, in, uh, you know, one area and one voice together. So one of the things I really like about this conversation and about the work you are all doing together and Representative Crawley that with the doula bill as well um, is that you're focusing on mothers. You know, when Governor DeWine came in, um, you know, people who voted for him or didn't vote for him were pretty excited, at least for what I could hear within the, the health community, the public health community, uh, that, that he was talking about women, uh, that he was talking about children so much, you know, and his appointments to a lot of important positions signaled that. But we don't often hear about mothers at the same level. You know, we we tend to, for obvious reasons, we love kids, right? Um, but but you're really putting mothers at at the center of this conversation as well. I wondered if I could have you just talk a little bit about the importance of doing that, and how whether it's you know uh, continuous postpartum coverage or doula care, um, that's that what that that's an important part of this this discussion. Um, so I, I think I wanted to come in focusing on mothers uh, because I am a mother and I had, a, again, a traumatic pregnancy. I went into preterm labor at 18 weeks, stayed in the hospital 16 weeks on bed rest and then ended up uh, giving birth at exactly 34 weeks to children who were low birth weight um, and, and preterm by six weeks. And, and so... You know, we know that what drives infant mortality um, is preterm birth and low birth weight. Um, and, and so we want I, in particular, wanted to say, well, if we want to impact the infant mortality rate, we have to make sure that we have healthy moms. Healthy moms um, lead to healthy babies. Uh, and, and so that's where I wanted to focus. If we can focus on healthy mom, moms being healthy during pregnancy and post-pregnancy, that the chances of um, infant mortality being a, a concern would decrease um, as well. And again, uh, access to doulas uh, post during pregnancy and postpartum, along with postpartum coverage, they go hand in hand. 
I think we're very lucky to have a governor that has eight children and 24 grandchildren because- Right, uh, that's got to shape your thinking on the Yeah, issue, yeah. Right? Children, yeah. children are very important to him and he's made a commitment. Uh, unfortunately, we've run into pandemic, which kind of put some of the things in the, on the back burner for a while. But um, uh, but when I was in the Senate, I, I, I want to give a, a shout out to Senator, then Senator Jones and Senator Tavares, who brought this to our attention and started working on things uh, 10 years ago when we realized we were 49th out of 50 uh, mm-hmm. when it came to infant mortality. And so they brought it to our attention. And since then, we've um, you know tried to keep it going to make sure that we can continue to bring that number down. And I think that's what's so very important. But you know, those uh, Jones and Tavares did a great job of, of bringing that to our attention. Absolutely. And I want to just add to that. Um, I, I appreciate Rep Manning bringing that up because Senator Tavares is a, a mentor to me as I come into the legislature. And I've had time to uh, speak with Shannon Jones uh, several times around this issue. And as we talk about equity and, and so, you know, it's important, as she said, to continue building on their their work and they are still very involved and appreciate that today. I do want to also point out that uh, Rep Manning's bill with a uh, Rep House last year also allowed for two ad- additional an additional dental cleaning um, for uh, pregnant women because, and I think it goes kind of like flies under the radar, access to um, hygiene in uh, better dental practices, and that can happen under Medicaid now. And so, if you end up getting an infection in your mouth, that definitely impacts a pregnancy and could cost a pregnancy. And so, I just want to say thank you to uh, Rep Manning again for that piece of legislation because it's vital, and we really don't talk about how hygiene affects pregnancy. As you know, I mean, bipartisanship is often at a premium in our politics, and you all are working closely together uh, on this. I think back to 2014 when Medicaid expansion happened, and you know that was that was a pretty rancorous uh, uh, political moment. And here we are um, talking amicably about expanding Medicaid or really thinking about what people need. So I guess I want to talk a little, just ask you, what is it about uh, infant and maternal health that that creates this bipartisan space? I mean, in some ways, I'm guessing, I guess it's an obvious question, right? But, you know, um, you're working together and you mentioned, uh, um, you know, Senator Jones and Tavares, and there's a history of, of doing this kind of work in this area. Have you thought a little bit about how maybe you can build off of this policy area to continue to move Ohio up uh, in those really dismal rankings health-wise? So we both serve on the uh, Infant Mortality Commission, and so our goal is to move that. But as you've you've heard, you've talked about four women that are are working on this. You mentioned Mm -hmm. four women. And many times we think it's the men, but, you know, this is a family issue. And when I came into the Senate, you know, you have those private conversations. And I remember having a private conversation with two of the senators, and they talked about losing you know, a child, you know, the one lost, lost a baby uh, during childbirth and uh, the other one lost theirs uh, within the first two years. And, you know, when, so it touches everybody. And, and when it does, and you think about a mom out there losing her baby in the first year, people react to that and, yeah. and want to do something about it. And, and we just have to sometimes bring that to the front of the table rather than 
um, not speaking about it as much. Absolutely. Um, I would agree. All of our uh, districts, all of our communities are inextricably linked. And so what happens in my district definitely impacts the 55th um, and, 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 and vice versa. Um, and so I, I think in order to move forward and really address this um, in a meaningful way, it has to be bipartisan. It, it just has to be. Right. So do you do you think in this in closing I mean do you think you're going to find the support is do you have a sense of you know have you taken the temperature of the general assembly to figure out if if this is going to be a um a controversial thing or if this looks like this there's there's enough support for this and I'm also interested if you could talk a little bit about what listeners might be able to do if you need any nudges if you want support if you want people to reach out um and do their part as well so I probably am going to put Rep Manning on the spot because, you know, they hold the super majority. And so I would love to see this uh, move. I've been in conversations with Director Corcoran about it because we don't ha- it doesn't have to go through the budget. It could just be something that she um, offers an amendment on f- to the 1115 waiver that we all we already applied for. Um, but it's good to have bipartisan support as co-sponsors on this bill. But it really will take um, the majority to put it on um, uh, for a hearing um, or move it in the budget and, and, and it wasn't in the sub bill. So, um, yeah. It was not in the sub bill and you're right. And I offered an amendment to put it in the mm-hmm. sub bill, which I assume you did too, uh, Representative. Yeah. And I will continue to have those conversations over the next few days because as you know, we, we can offer uh, more amendments until Friday. I will be offering the amendment again and, and having conversations um, and, and maybe maybe the thought is to just let, you know, the director do this uh, more control. But to me, the legislation should take this role. And so that's what I'll be pushing for. It's always nice when people come out of the woodwork and, and state where they stand on an issue like this, right? To, mm-hmm. to have it go through a legislative process yeah. is a meaningful thing. And, and and if you're if your listeners reach out to other legislators, they don't need to reach out to us because obviously we're for it and say to support this amendment. And that would go a long way. Great. Absolutely. I would agree. Everything she said, reach out to the legislate legislators, to the to the majority leadership. Um, we're all on board over here and in, in, in the caucus. Um, and, and so happy to put in an amendment with uh, Representative Manning uh, for the omnibus. Well, I'm glad we uh, were able to find some time to, to spotlight this issue a little bit, and we'll get this out as soon as we can to get the conversation rolling even more. Um, and I just want to thank you for taking the time and for uh, being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Dan. Before we turn to the second part of the episode and my conversation with Kelly Visrol, I'd like to put in a pitch for the show itself. If you like this episode of Prognosis Ohio, please help us to make more by becoming a Patreon for just $3 per month. This is a shoestring operation, a volunteer project we pull together late at night and on weekends, but podcasting costs also actually add up to some serious money. We use whatever support we receive to pay for the technical platforms, for recording and hosting, things like that, so we can keep spotlighting community voices and important issues here in Ohio. To do that, please go to patreon.com slash prognosisohio. That's patreon.com slash prognosisohio. And thanks. Okay, now to my conversation with Kelly Visrol of the Children's Defense Fund of Ohio. Listeners may want to also go back and listen to my conversation from a few weeks ago, which is something of a feeder episode for this one. 
We'll be linking to that episode in the show notes, and we'll be including more information about Kelly and the good work that CDF Ohio does. So, Kelly, you've had a chance to listen to the conversation we just had with Representative Crawley and Representative Manning, uh, and it's great to have you back on the show. I want to start by just asking for your reaction um, from the perspective of your work with the Children's Defense Fund. Um, anything in the conversation that you want to highlight or build on a little bit? Uh, thanks, Dan, for having me back. Uh, we're very excited to take part in this series of, of interviews. We're very excited to have um, Representative Crawley and Representative Manning as our champions for um, maternal health. They're doing a great job, and I know that that they continue to work on this. Um, I would like to touch on one issue that that I know you asked them, um, and I want to make sure that that we give a real clear answer. And that was uh, the issue of what is it that we hope to achieve by looking at these two uh, pieces of legislation or uh, policy priorities. And you mean kind of in terms of like measurable health outcomes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what we know, um, and, and I said it before, is that um, black women are three times more likely to die than white women. Black infants are almost three times more likely to die than a, than a white infant. And Ohio ranks 47th out of all states in health value and 42nd out of all states in infant mortality. So this has become a public health crisis. And what we feel these two issues do is they address health outcomes. They, the doula piece will um, help women with education and support. Um, we know that it's going to decrease health disparities between black and white communities. Um, Ohio has seen an increase of 26% in the disparity between black and white infant mortality. Can you give me a little bit of a, a snapshot of specifically? And I, I talked with the representatives about this as well. And I wonder if you want to add anything. I mean, so like each month that you extend postpartum coverage through Medicaid, what kind of things are we talking about? The kind of care that she would receive would be the kind of care that anyone would get with their health plan. So she she's going to get her, you know, if she come has a problem, if she has one of these severe maternal morbidities, which are life-threatening complications, mm -hmm. when the, the medical coverage is cut off after 60 days, many women don't have any of these issues before that. And with mm -hmm. 60 days, that gives them an opportunity to see a doctor one time before they lose their coverage. That's a point um, that came up with Representative Crawley and Manning. I mean, this idea that, well, 60 days, and you kind of just imagine the healthcare system being like, oh, we're, we're all good, you know? Uh, and, and, and obviously, a lot of things work like this, like even uh, leave uh, policies at workplaces. There's all sorts of ways in which our society, you know, they, they dramatically underestimate the kind of longitudinal care that's needed. It seems like this policy is aimed at really recognizing that, no, this, this requires uh, more attention for a longer period of time. This is a life-changing event in someone's life. It's a traumatic event. And, and not, not, when I say traumatic, just from a medical perspective, yeah. the, the changes that you go through when you have a baby, it is, it's life-changing. And you can't expect all of those things to be taken care of in 60 days. Right. 
So in terms of some of the uh, measurable outcomes, and I, I mentioned in the interview, you know, looking at the Health Policy Institute of Ohio uh, value dashboard, it wasn't entirely clear to me. I mean, it's a fantastic dashboard that they put together. But when I look at mothers and when I look at, because we talk about infant mortality so much, but infant mortality is a really blunt object to gauge the success of a healthcare system by, right? I mean, kids dying is is not the measurement of, of an amazing healthcare system. and But when we start to think in, in, in more uh, nuanced ways, uh, more detailed ways about maternal health, um, the story really changes. I wondered if you could speak, since you know the Children's Defense Fund works with mothers and for mothers as well, in, a, in addition to, to children, do you think that there's that like lack of focus sometimes on mothers that I'm kind of suggesting there is, or am I getting that wrong? It's true um, because they're kids. And of course, you know, we, we, we want to focus on that. But I think what people have to remember is that families come as a unit. You know, a baby isn't just a baby. It's part of a family. And who takes, you know, who's taking care of that baby, that mother. So if that mother's not healthy, then that baby doesn't have the opportunity to have a, an optimal outcome, health outcome either. Can you give me an example? I'm trying to think in my head here as well of, you know, something concrete where inattention to maternal health, you know, affects um, child development. Like, is there something that listeners can maybe think about that to, to illustrate that dynamic? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I think if, if you look at prenatally, you know, we don't want women to smoke because that affects the health outcome of a baby. And, you know, a doula can provide a lot of education in that realm when the woman is pregnant, making sure that she's eating properly because that will affect the, the health outcome of the baby that she's going to have. Reducing the toxic stress in that woman's life. Uh, and by toxic stress, I mean, uh, you know, is she, does she have enough food in her house? Does she have, um, you know, does she feel like she's being listened to and taken care of? All of these things lead to toxic stress, which releases a chemical in your body called cortisol. Mm -hmm. And cortisol is responsible for, pre if you have a high, high level of cortisol, it causes a preterm birth. Yeah. So just the use of a doula to, you know, help this woman feel more comfortable and making sure that her health needs are being met and that she's being listened to can reduce that toxic stress, reduce that cortisol, and reduce those preterm births. So in the discussion, we also talk um, at one point, I think it was Representative Crawley mentions, well, we would like this to go through the budget process, but also, if not, that there there is an opportunity potentially for Director Corcoran at the Department of Medicaid to include this as a kind of waiver, right? We don't want to get too wonky for listeners, but there are ways to appeal to the federal government to get waivers on the state level, 1115 waivers in this case. Um, do you have a position? I mean, so I, I, I talked about bipartisanship with Representative Crawley and Manning. Um, you work in a nonpartisan context, but does it matter to you how this gets done? I mean, is, is it better for the state if the legislative process or the budgeting process um, makes something like this happen, or is it just like, let's get it done either way? I think in the end, my answer would be, let's just get it done either way. But if I'm looking from the state of Ohio's perspective, I would rather do it through a, a change in the state plan amendment because that is less work for me 
as a state mm-hmm. agency. Yeah. Um, and, and what the American Recovery Plan did is it added language, federal language, that says a state can extend that coverage. It can extend that coverage for 12 months. So a state can just go in, make the change in a state plan amendment, and uh, draw down those federal dollars. And they don't have to worry about um, renewing it, you know, every five years. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to mention or pull out of your um, the, the, the listen you gave to the interview? Um, you know, I think I would just really want to emphasize that these things that we're talking about, this doula care um, coverage and the 12-month postpartum coverage, these are research-driven ways of reducing maternal and infant mortality. Yeah. And they're cost-effective ways of doing it. It's much l- more cost-effective to, to cover that mother now and, and to cover her prenatally, help her with a doula, cover her postnatally with a 12-month postpartum care, than it is to pay for a preterm birth. There is a great study out of the University of Minnesota that looked at 67,000 births in 12 different states. And they found that women who had access to a doula had 22% fewer preterm births. That's a lot of money. If you look at a preterm birth costing, you know, I mean, overall, every year preterm births cost around $700 billion. So, you know, if you could chop 22% of that, you know, off, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If there are any listeners out there who aren't persuaded by the uh, just, the need to take care of women and newborn uh, children, then maybe the financial argument, the fiscal argument will appeal to them. And this is something we do pretty poorly in general, not just in Ohio, but you know, to really understand that investments up front, the downstream effects or the upstream effects, I forget which way the stream is going, but you get my point, right? That, that in fact, this is worth investing, not just because of the tangible health outcomes, which are really important, but because like that's the way you do an efficient healthcare delivery. Yeah, we sh- we need to be more of an offensive healthcare as opposed to a defensive healthcare. You know, I, I realize sticker shock is a thing and it-, it scares people when they look at that, but you know, and they think, "Oh well, we'll just wait and see." You know, it can't but the cost is always inevitably it is more downstream when you don't take care of problems early. Well, Kelly, thanks so much. Um, We uh, really appreciate this relationship with the Children's Defense Fund, the work you do, and just being able to add some expert commentary, some reflection on the interview with Representative Manning and Representative Crawley was really uh, very much appreciated. So thank you. Thanks, Dan. We appreciate it. We're always happy to talk to you. This episode of Prognosis Ohio was hosted by me, Dan Skinner, and produced by me with editorial and production assistance from Claire McGee. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show and follow us on Twitter at at Prognosis Ohio. As always, we encourage you to reach out with your suggestions and your feedback, and you'll find links on our website to do just that. As I like to mention, we always welcome ideas for themes and guests you'd like to hear on the show. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks, everybody, and be well.